Hello everyone, my name is Rick, Rick van Bruggen from NEO, and here we are again, recording another Grafistania podcast episode, and today I have uh, one of my lovely colleagues uh, from the engineering team with me, uh, Stefan Plantikov from Berlin. Hi Stefan. Hi Rick, how are you? I'm really well, thank you for joining me, and uh, I'm, I'm hoping you'll take good care of my missus, my wife who is visiting Berlin uh, today. <laughs> I'm sure they'll have a splendid time. <laughs> <laughs> I think so too, yeah, absolutely. Anyway, uh, Stefan, Neo, I invited you because you're one of our Neo's uh, engineers and you've been doing some really cool stuff, but maybe you can introduce yourself uh, to our uh, audience here. Yeah, so my name is uh, Stefan Plantico. I've been working with Neo for almost four years now, I think. And I've been pretty much about uh, all over all over the place, right? I've been working on the kernel, a bit on the indexing side. I've spent uh, a lot, a lot of time on Cypher. And recently, I've been working on the new driver surface, right? Still, I think my my focus uh, at Neo is, is around Cypher, the language, right? Uh, I'm currently working on uh, the Open Cypher TCK, which is uh, a way to uh, help people uh, certify other implementations of Cypher of being conformant with Cypher as we have today, have it today in Neo4j. Oh, wow. So a couple of things that you mentioned there, the, the, the driver surface, that means the new um, Bolt protocol and, you know, the way we drivers interact with uh, Neo4j, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay, cool. And the TCK, that's, uh, you know, part of the Open, Cy open Cypher initiative, right? Yes. Mm. That's... That's uh, the future for sci-fi. Well, I'm surprised that you haven't mentioned your wonderful work on APOX. <laughs> right. So, yes, that, that actually happened. Right. You know where this is going, right, Stefan? <laughs> I know where this is going. So, <laughs> tell us that story, please. So I can tell you that story. Yeah. So, I think as part of the Drivers Initiative, right, or let's, let's maybe pedal back a little bit. So... Uh, so drivers and the Bolt protocol is a new way to interface with Layer4j, right? So it gives you a new super efficient binary protocol for talking to the graph database. And uh, perhaps uh, more importantly, um, it gives you a unified API. So whatever language you use, you have a very standard way of talking to the graph database, a really nice API, and you also have the same capabilities everywhere. So it doesn't matter if you're a Python developer or a Java developer, Right, you can always use Neo4j and get the same things. Mm -hmm. um, uh, so, so now uh, long-term long-term users of Neo4j are surely aware of uh, a feature we have that's called unmanaged extensions, right? Which allows you to plug your own code into the database. Absolutely. Um, and those have been exposed via our REST API. So what happened is, of course, that people ask the question, now, well, well, in the world of Bolt, how am I going to do that, right? And mm -hmm. because Bolt is purely Cypher-driven, so uh, everything you do there, you do via Cypher. So we needed a way for exposing uh, interesting uh, functionality or extensions via Cypher, right? And the way we came up with eventually were procedures, and that happened as part of the Bolt project. Mm -hmm. So uh, procedure is a way to call uh, an, uh, kind of a piece of user code, right, as part of your Cypher query, right? You can just match around in your graph, find stuff, and then hand it all off to your custom procedure, have it execute some custom business logic, have it talk to some third-party system, whatever it is, execute some graph analytics algorithm perhaps even, right? Uh, and then uh, return you a stream of results, right? And then continue with that even in Cypher, right? And 
this has been very, very well received, right? It's kind of interesting here, the story, because we did it initially to kind of cover the ground to be sure that you can do the same things uh, in both that you could do before in REST API. But it turned into this beauty, beautiful thing where um, uh, people in, jumped onto it and, and, and uh, my colleague Michael Hunger created a repository called APOC of, of you know, public procedure that you can just hook into your database. And people have been adding and contributing and committing to that at, an, at a really, really fast, fast this, pace. This has really been like the, 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 the nugget of gold of the 3.0 release, I think. You know, it's been really, really well received, right? Yeah, and that was really amazing because that was, I mean, it felt like the uh, thing that would have been missing from the product if we hadn't done it. But uh, still, I think at least I didn't anticipate it to be so well received, right? It was it was like super well received. Especially also because it was it was something that, you know, started as a as a weekend project for you. Is that what I'm, what I understood? Uh, yeah, a little bit like that. So what was initially planned was to be able to call procedures just like that. And then uh, I wasn't really happy with that because it wouldn't allow you to combine procedures with other parts in your Cypher query. So that would not have been part of 3.0 initially, right? And then uh, I sat down and spent a couple of weekends and said, I need to make this happen, right? It just, it just didn't feel complete to not to be able to combine procedure calls with, uh, with other parts of, um, of the Cypher query, right? And, and that's where it gains its versatility now, right? Yeah. Take, for example... Uh, uh, you have a way of importing data from other systems now via via APOC, right? You can just call into a JDBC driver and pull out uh, data out, out of some legacy relational store, right? And that's already nice, but what would you do after, right? But now you can directly feed that into a Cypher query, then you can create nodes, create relationships, right? And, and suddenly it has a much, much higher utility than if you would just have been able to to just call the procedure. Right? Absolutely. Well, I mean, I think this is this is one of those examples where I love the way how our our you know our ecosystem, whether it's you know engineers like you or you know people around us that that basically you know provide this amazing innovation when you know we we haven't always planned for it, right? It's not like we're we're planning for these these types of features to be you know built like cathedrals. It's more like a bazaar that you know evolves the way it, you know it wants to evolve almost. It's super interesting actually the yeah. open source way of doing things. Yeah, I mean that's also part of the fun of working at Neo, right? That on the one end, of course, there's there's a stellar team that that plans releases and drive things forward uh, and all that. But then there's also the whole organic side, or you know, where someone can jump in and just they feel feel strongly about something and they sneak it into the release and everything gets better better from that, right? And and it's it's really nice to strike a middle ground between these two. Absolutely. Two sides of it, right? So, so question that I've, I've I've been asking everyone on this podcast a little bit is, you know, how do you get into the, you know, the wonderful world of Neo and graph databases, and you know, why do you think it's such a cool place to be? You know, any any perspectives on that, Stefan? Um, so, 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 so my, so my, my, my story is a bit. Um, uh, I was in Berlin in academia before I joined Neo, more or less. Mm-hmm. And I was part of a research group on distributed systems. And of course, uh, if you're in distributed systems, uh, uh, your data storage is a big topic there, of course, right? Of course. It's one of the classic applications of distributed systems. And this was around the time the NoSQL movement came around, right? And um, 
um, and I was yeah kind of aware of all that. Uh, I knew the guys from Couch to be who some of whom are local in Berlin, for example, right? Okay. And this was all interesting, but it wasn't really. Uh, I was missing this the quality of something new there, right? I mean, it's it's just the same old stores that we've been had, just in a distributed fashion or in a, in a slightly more um, a streamlined fashion in comparison to the old databases, right? Mm-hmm. And then yeah, I bumped into this guy Peter Neubauer, who probably has been mentioned on this podcast one, once or twice. Uh, uh, we interviewed him as well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Uh, uh, so and he introduced me to the shiny world of graphs and I was all amazed right at Berlin buzzwords and uh, it even influenced my academic research uh, I, I looked a little bit into partitioning of distributed graphs back then um, okay. uh, and it ring a bell with me actually right uh, I, I'm, I'm a long term long time uh, fan of a method called mind mapping uh, you might know about that. I use it all the time. <laughs> you use it all the time, right? Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, if you don't know it, it's a splendid way of making notes and kind of, it's a thinking tool, really. It's a thought tool. So I've been using that since school, basically. Um, and what I've always liked about that is it has such an uh, you know intuitive appeal, right? It's very, it's very. You can look at the mind map and you can kind of follow the process, and it's very human friendly, right? And that's something I really love about graphs. That they're so amazingly human friendly. opposed to many many other ways in which you could store information in the computer right which require to have a phd or i don't know at least some some long education to kind of really get to the bottom of it and this is something you can go to a whiteboard you can walk you you know you can talk about it you can talk about it with completely non-technical people which i think is very important in today's organizations right well you know i i can tell you that for me as a as a you know commercial person right it's it's so valuable that that human friendly nature you know the fact that i can have a conversation with you know both the developer and the manager of the developer and the manager of the manager of the developer and you know people will understand people will understand what what we're talking about and they will st- they will understand why graphs are so powerful and that's uh, it's pretty amazing i think yeah yeah i agree cool well um we could talk for hours you know that right um but we want to keep this fairly short so i'm going to uh, ask you one more question that i have been asking everyone as well you know is what do you see in the future what do you you see in the future for neo4j for the industry for apox you know um what what's what's your uh what's your yeah let's go let's let's go from the small to the large then perhaps right and start with apox i think you'll see more use of them for sure we are also going to see, I think, more flavors of procedures in other in other contexts, uh, perhaps perhaps as functions or something like that. Right. So there's more opportunities for us to do things similar to the procedures we just added for 3.0 to even reap more benefits from them and and more importantly give give uh, give more value, right? And and make using Cipher even even more versatile for people. Yeah. Uh, so more importantly, procedures uh, from from what I'm currently doing, because my head is very much an open cipher these days, is uh, it gives us an interesting trajectory for trying out features without having to add things to cipher the language, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Because even even though of course all the dy- dynamism in Neo's culture and the you know quick velocity with which we can change things in cipher, it is still a process to add uh, to change the actual language, right? And a pro- adding a procedure is a much quicker process. So here we can kind of innovate, try out things also see look at the procedures that are written you know by customers in the market and then and, and then learn from that and make cipher the language better so i'm i'm looking i'm looking forward uh, a lot to that right yeah absolutely uh, so um yeah and then i mean 
looking into the wider time horizon, perhaps, right, uh, also a bit with the, this open cipher as the context, um, I think what we're going to see uh, is just graphs, really the promise of graphs are everywhere, which is actually not a promise, it's the truth, right? But <laughs> having that having that truth being delivered by, by being graph, you know, graph structured data being the default mode, of data organization in the industry, right? I think that's that's something I want to I want to see come about, and I think having a standard query language like OpenCypher is going to help, you know, going to be tremendously helpful to to the whole market to achieve that. I couldn't agree more, and I'm going to wrap up our conversation. And if people want to know more about this and your work and all of that stuff, I will will include some links. Uh, uh, with the transcription of the of the podcast, so I want to thank you so much for uh, for doing this conversation, Stefan. It's been great talking to you as always, and uh, I look forward to doing that again. Thanks, thanks, Rick. This has been fun. Yeah, cheers, man. Have a great time, everybody. Bye.